Due to technical difficulties, we join the sermon in progress. Make an oath by the altar in the temple. You can make an oath even by God's throne. It sounds pretty noble. It sounds pretty serious. And have absolutely no intention of following through. Obfuscation. I'm saying something with no intention of backing it up. I'm putting something out there that sounds noble and sounds truthful and sounds reliable. But I have no intention of doing this. It is my back door. It is my escape clause. It is the fine print in the contract. For us, the closest thing we could probably come to it is crossing your fingers. When you, make, you ever remember doing this? You make a promise to somebody, and then when you don't do it, you go, well, I have my fingers crossed. What are you doing? You, you, this is it. This is oath-taking. This is exactly what was taking place. I'm making a commitment. I'm making a promise. I'm putting my name. I'm putting my mother's name, the name of my mother's grave. I'm putting my Bible, whatever it is, on the line. But I actually have no intention of doing this. Or maybe I do have the intention of doing it, but I find that this is my back door. This is my escape clause. This is the way out. Now, is this serious? I would say so. Did you notice what James says? Above all, my brothers. Above all, my brothers. Don't swear. James takes it pretty seriously. Jesus takes it. Pretty seriously. Why? Because your integrity and my integrity matter. Your personal integrity is a direct reflection on your faith and on the Savior in whom you, your faith is placed. Your integrity matters, not just for your reputation, not just for your name, but it matters for the reputation and the name of our Savior Jesus. That's a big deal. Now, I'm saying this because you enter into contracts, you make commitments, you make promises, you enter into covenants, you swear oaths. You need to recognize when you do this, it is not only your name, it is not only your reputation at stake, it is also the reputation of your Savior. You don't have a choice. If you are a believer, then you bring God with you wherever you are. It is not like, okay, well, I, I, you know, I, I come to church on Sunday morning and I have my prayer time uh, here uh, you know, at my house. But when I leave, I lock God in the closet. And then I go off and I do my business deals completely isolated from my reputation with God, from my relationship with God, from my link with God. I'm out here doing my business deals. They could be a little bit shady, but it's okay. When you're out by the water cooler or you're out on the golf course or you're at the beauty shop or sitting by the pool or whatever it might be and you're you're weaving these stories of your life and you're throwing in half-truths, three-quarter truths, quarter truths, total untruths. And you're just tossing them out, trying to make yourself look better, trying to build yourself up, or maybe trying to put someone else down. 
You need to realize that you didn't leave God locked in the closet. He's with you, your integrity, and his reputation is at stake in your truthfulness, in your honesty. So scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, James tells us, your yes must be yes and your no must be no. In other words, you should not need an oath in order to bolster your answer. You shouldn't need it. When you say yes, people should understand that means yes. There's no equivocation here. There's no obfuscation here. There's no confusion. There's no muddied water here. He said yes. She said yes. It means yes. The same thing with no. I say no. It should mean no. You say no. It should mean no. Whatever you say should be reliable. And it is better to have such a good reputation that when you say yes or when you say no, that people will believe you without even having to swear an oath. I realize we live in a different world and everything's got to be done by contracts in triplicate, signed and notarized and filed. And I understand this is the world in which we live. But no one should have to need one of those to trust you. When you make a commitment, When you shake someone's hand, they should know it's as ironclad as any contract that could ever be signed. To the very best of your ability, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. The sad truth is, a liar will lie even under oath. But the opposite of that is also true. A person of integrity will tell the truth even without an oath. So the question, the question that comes home to us this morning is, what kind of person do we really want to be? Do we want to be a person of integrity, a person who can be trusted, a person whose word is their bond? Is that the kind of person that we want to be? If so, we'll look a lot different than the rest of our culture. I didn't do a lot of research. I'd done some of this before, but I I thought it was interesting. I went back and looked up some of this. Uh, A Toronto University study showed that by age four, by age four, 90% of children have grasped the concept of lying and are putting it to good use. Listen, if you're a parent or grandparent, you know that. You don't have to teach your kids to do it. They figure it out. Um, a uh, University of Massachusetts study said that 60% of adults can't carry on a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once, and most of them lie multiple times in 10 minutes. The book, The Day America Told the Truth, determined that 85% of people lie regularly to their parents. Sorry, parents. 75% lie regularly to their friends. 73% lie regularly to their brothers and sisters. And 69% lie regularly to their spouses. That's assuming nobody was lying in these studies, I guess. And a um, uh, Sonny Bates Associates uh, did kind of an impromptu, this is not an official across-the-board survey, but of the resumes that they said that they receive, 40% of the people lie on their resumes. 
Now, what does that tell us? It tells us we live in a culture where lying is very, very prevalent. In fact, in many ways, it's almost, almost expected. We've gotten to a point in our American culture, at least, where we expect politicians, whether they are Republican, Democrat, uh, Libertarian, or Independent, we almost expect them to lie to us. Uh, we, we're, we're, con- we're having to peel away layers to try to find the truth somewhere back there. We're parsing words. We're trying to clear the wa- muddy water so we can get a glimpse of the truth. If you are honest, if you are truthful, if your word can be trusted, if you're a man or a woman of integrity, then your life will be distinctive. It will be set apart from the rest of the world and people will take notice. When James says um, your, your yes should be yes or your no should be no, what he's saying is that you and I are to be people who value truth and who speak the truth in love. Now, I add that because it's very important. There are people who speak the truth, but they don't do so in love. We're not to be those kinds of people. There are some people who use the truth like a hammer to smash people. That's not us. So what I would like to do just to, to kind of wrap this up, to land this plane, is I want to give you, and it sounds like a lot, but I'll fly through them, I promise, seven suggestions, seven applications, seven things, for lack of a better word, that you can do in your own life in order to help you become that person of integrity. And the first is this. Be aware of your own tendency to lie or shade the truth. you got to be aware of it. And since lying is so prevalent, so promised, dishonesty is so prominent in our society, that means we're not immune from it, okay? We're not immune. James was writing to believers. So we're not immune from that. There is a temptation for us to lie. We need to be aware of it. To pretend it doesn't exist, it's not going to help us. So that's where we begin. Secondly, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that's motivating me to deceive? What is it? Okay, when I've, when I've told a lie, and some of you do this. I mean, let's be honest, okay? Let's be honest. We should. Um, some of you do this. Some of you will say something that's not quite true. And you know you're doing it. And then later, you, you kind of think about it. And you go, well, why did I do that? Can I tell you that's the perfect question to ask? Why did I do that? What, what, was, what was behind that that made me at that moment tell something that wasn't entirely true and may have been a complete fabrication? What was it? Was I trying to make myself look better? Was I trying to get out of trouble? That, that's, that's a big one. Was I, am I just a people pleaser? And I'll say yes to just about anything but I'm really not going to end up doing what I've said I'm going to do. Am I trying to cover something up? What is it then that causes us not to be people who tell the truth? We need to ask that question. So we first have to acknowledge it's a problem. 
And then we have to ask ourselves, okay, what's behind that? What is, what's the motivating factor? Because that's, you wouldn't be doing it if there wasn't something to motivate you to do it, unless you're just a congenital liar. Third, consider the cost to your personal peace when you do lie. Consider what it costs your peace, your inner peace. And obviously, I've added a little notation here. And if it doesn't bother you, there's really something wrong. Consider the cost of your personal peace. It should bother you. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, let me tell you something. When you lie, when you deceive, when you cheat, when you're dishonest in any way, the Holy Spirit reminds you. And what we don't want to do is to quench what the Spirit is doing. We don't want to have a calloused heart so that we don't sense what the Spirit is doing. Consider the personal peace it's costing you. You don't have to live. You can live with absolute, you can live with integrity. If you live with integrity, you have, you have peace that pe- other people don't have. Who are constantly trying to figure out, okay, what lie did I tell? What am I going to have to do now to make sure that I keep this consistent so that I don't get caught in this one and then have to tell another one? Okay, it's just a web. Fourth, consider the cost to your integrity when you lie. People often will give you the benefit of the doubt up front. But when you're caught in a lie, it erodes their trust. And it's hard to build back. You know people. You know people. It doesn't matter what they tell you. It doesn't matter whether it's serious or not so serious. You know people that you just can't believe. You know they're not going to tell you the truth. Those are not people you trust with secrets. Those are not people that you, you've got great confidence in. Don't be them. Be that person whose word is their bond, that person of integrity. Fifth, when you, when you do lie, when you do lie, I didn't say if, I said when, go to God immediately, confess it and repent it. Don't hide it. Don't cover it up from you, from others or from God. Just just immediately confess it and repent it. Deal with the sin because it is sin. Six, when you need to confess and apologize to a person, a person that you lied to or maybe lied about, then do so, but do it gently. You want to be honest about it, but you want to be gentle about it. Again, what did I tell you? The truth can be used like a hammer. That's not the intent. So when you go to a person, you need to go in humility. You need to go in, in, in seeking mercy, seeking grace. We tend to go in a prideful, self-righteous kind of way. Now, it can happen in a lot of things, but... Can I tell you this? If you've lied about someone or you've lied to someone, you've eroded that trust, you've eaten away at that relationship, don't expect that when you go and say, hey, listen, I just want to let you know I lied to you. I'm really sorry about that. Can everything be like it was before? Because the answer is no. And you need to understand that going in, that you now have to earn back the trust that you've given up. And then finally, seventh, don't take lying lightly. Remember, James said, above all else, listen, guys, let me, let me put this on the top of a stack here. Don't take this lightly. 
lying, deceiving, obfuscating, making commitments you have no intention of fulfilling. This is serious business. It undermines your reputation. It undermines God's reputation. Now, why is this such a big deal? Ultimately, it's a big deal because, as I said at the very beginning, we have a God who is faithful and true. That's God's character. He is faithful and he is true. In chapter 1, James told us that God doesn't change like the shifting shadows. That God's solid, reliable, dependable, truthful. He says what he means and he means what he says. If he makes a promise, he keeps it. His greatest promise, of course, was to send a Messiah, a Savior. And he did. His name is Jesus. And that's why we're here today. Because we worship him. He is our crucified, resurrected, ascended, and soon in coming king. That's why we're here. But do you know what the Bible says about Jesus? Because he is God in the flesh, he has the same characteristic of being faithful and true. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, which kind of makes sense because perfect can't get any more perfect. And he certainly is not going to get any less perfect. He's always, always Faithful and true. And because of that, because that is the kind of God we worship, because that is the kind of God who lives in us, that is the kind of people we are to be. And here's what I want to do now. I want to challenge you. Because some of you hear this and you go, you know, that, 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 that kind of hit home with me. I, I am a person who maybe shades the truth here and there every now and then. I don't necessarily, <laughs> I'm not necessarily got the best reputation of always being reliable and truthful and honest. But if I were to get up and to go down and confess this morning, boy, everybody would be looking at me and wondering, can I count on that person? So here's the deal. I can guarantee you that there is not one person here who does not need to confess and repent. Not one. And it's not that we're bad people. It's not that we're evil and wicked. It's just for a myriad of reasons. We're not necessarily truthful. We aren't always honest. We shade things a little bit. So, so here's the deal. If you need to come and pray, if you need to come and confess and start again, then you come. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. They don't know what you're up here praying about. You can come. If you need to come and receive Jesus as your Savior, the one who's faithful and true, if you need to embrace him as your Savior and Lord, then you need to come. If you need a church home, 
a family, a place to belong. God's calling you here. You need to come. If you need to be relieved of a burden, to pour out your heart before God, maybe it didn't have anything to do with this message at all, but God's been dealing with you, then you need to come. That's the reason we do this. It's the reason it's called an invitation. You are being invited to respond to the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. So this is your time. And as we sing our final song, then you're invited to come. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you so much that you are faithful and true. Always, 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 always. That when you make a promise, you keep it. And the greatest promise you've ever given us is that you would send your son as our savior and you did that. A son who is faithful and true. And so Lord, those who need Jesus, let them come. Those who need a church family, let them come. Those who just need to come and pour their hearts out to you this morning, let them come. Whatever it is that you want us to say yes to, Lord, we say yes. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.